0: in such a fog of war we're pining for clarity understanding what is the nature of this battle how is it playing out in real life what role do each of us absolutely need to play right now this recent interview with peter herbeck stands out as absolutely critical in the context of priestly scandal peter paints the bigger picture clearly laying out the shape of the battle challenging us to get in the game to recognize what's at stake to recommit our lives to jesus christ Please invite your spouse and older children to join you. Please share it. Our mission is to make God, who is love, known. Join us at ilovemyfamily.us. That's ilovemyfamily.us. Now, on with the program.
1: Yeah, well, it's good to be with all of you tonight. It's, uh, first, I just wanted to say it's a, um, thank you for doing this show. Uh, Number two, this is just a very, very difficult time for so many. It's a painful time. It's a time of shame on the Church in different ways. It's a time of a lot of people are feeling healthy anger, I think, Hmm. uh, at at, uh, what's being exposed. Uh, But uh, the reason I wrote the article, there's a lot of good things being written. There is, uh, to me, this is uh, a bigger moment even then in 2002 when the Dallas Charter was put together, when uh, the bishops and their committee put the Dallas Charter together, which basically uh, the Church uh, took a, you know, zero-tolerance policy in relationship to, um, uh, the you know, how the Church was handling itself, handling these cases and getting, getting the, the legal system involved, and the rest of it. So the issue here today of what we're facing today with Cardinal McCarrick, I think um, in the letter I wrote, I wanted to make sure that everyone saw it in a larger perspective of what the Lord himself is doing. The reason I entitled it A Severe Mercy is because uh, what the Lord is doing is he's coming to expose the very deep, deep sin and strongholds of sin, mm. I mean, genuine demonic strongholds yes. that are present in the body. And he's coming, you know, like he's very clear, you know, the, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Mm. Judgment begins with the house of God. The Lord gave the church an opportunity. In 2002, some steps were made, but I often echo the line of, Uh, the words of Jeremiah the prophet, that in some ways, when he was speaking to Israel, they had paid attention to the wound, uh, the sin that was in their body, but had done so too lightly, and deeper judgment came. And there were some things that happened, I think, out of that. I think there were a lot of well-intentioned and some very good decisions, some good policy decisions were made. I don't think a deep enough repentance and like tearing of garments kind of thing before the holy god like the fear of the lord is what the lord's after to instill he's after healing victims he's after exposing the truth shedding his light into the darkness he's looking for profound repentance from his church and you know statements were made often with legalese and the rest of it so it never quite communicated the depth i think of which the lord wanted a full repentance And uh, what he's doing, I believe, is going, cutting much deeper. You know, we kind of covered up, we only went so deep looking at the wound that was present. I think a big mistake was made in 2002 when uh, the focus was mainly on priests and not on bishops. Mm. And number one and number two, there were reasons for that, but that was a real issue uh, that I think was an oversight and a mistake Um, uh, I can explain why in a couple of minutes, but also secondly they made it look like despite the John Jay the expensive John Jay report that was done that investigated these cases and looked at them, they made it look like the majority of cases were just pedophile cases and that it had nothing to do with homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not true. The majority of the cases, a high majority of the cases where were ephebophilia or priest-molesting adolescent boys or older. So it wasn't pedophilia primarily. That was a smaller number. And the reason for that was they didn't want to touch this area of homosexuality. And there there has been. I was in a seminary many years ago when it was very clear and very visible. When I was there in the Mm. late 70s and early 80s, I was in a seminary that has cleaned itself up quite a bit from those days. Um, big battle, a, lot of, a number of priests and others who are in the faculty that were um, not only same-sex attracted people, but were engaging in homosexual activity and the rest of it. Eventually, the diocese I was in um, was willing to take a look at it and remove these guys. Some of them left the priesthood. But um, one of the things the Lord, in, in the larger picture, and this is sometimes, I think, hard for people to see in the moment, is uh, I shared something at, uh, from 2016. I, I was in Africa in this letter I wrote. I was in in Uganda and was part of a team, and we were leading a retreat for about 350 priests and bishops from like five East African countries, and I was experiencing a kind of spiritual battle and struggle myself. And uh, on one day at Mass after Communion, I went and sat down. It was just a very peaceful moment, and I was just trying to be great, just being grateful for the Eucharist and the Lord, and being with all these priests and. And then I felt like the Lord kind of prompted me to get out my journal. I said, get out your journal. I want to say something. I didn't hear any voice, but I just felt it in my heart, and so I did. And I, I thought it was going to be just a moment to write down an encouraging line or something, like the Lord was going to say, you know, I love you, I forgive you, whatever, you know, something. But, uh, like, the fear of the Lord came on me in that moment, and it was a, a, a few minutes of just incredibly focused time, and I felt like the Lord said some things to me that I wrote down in my journal, um, and I've talked about off and on since then, in different places, my radio show and others. And one of the things I felt like the Lord said is, um, I'm coming to discipline my church, and I'm coming to expose, you know, the discipline that's been on the church, uh, and my judgment, I'm gonna, it's gonna, about to turn to the world as well. And the Lord's going to expose the idols in the world. He's going to expose, I wrote down, I feel like he said, I'm going to expose the hypocrisy Mm -hmm. of the powerful. I'm going to bring down their idols so that people have a chance to see the emptiness of the idols, Mm -hmm. um, both in the church and outside the church. And that, um, so what I felt like was, and what I was sharing over the last few years is that The Lord is going to expose serious sin within the Church. He's going to prune His Church, but He's also going to cut out, in that pruning process, He's going to cut off dead wood. And He's going to um, expose the depth of the wound in the Church Mm. to lead us to deeper, deeper repentance and to turn to Him so He can purify the Church. Because the Lord's end game is the salvation of souls. His heart is the same heart that was torn open on a cross and bled for the salvation of the world. He desires that his church would be a living bride in love with him, holy and pure, running after him and loving the world in such a way and able to impact the world. That it can help bring the gospel of salvation. But when the world, when the church is worldly, which there's no question, in this intensely secular culture that we've been living in you know the last number of decades, the, the, the dramatic change that's happened in our culture, the church has itself has been deeply infected. And it's there's a kind of poison in parts of the church, and Jesus has to come and take the poison out is mm. to draw it out, and he gives us a chance he comes in mercy first he comes in mercy, he does it in our own personal lives in my life he's done it he comes in mercy when I fall and I sin, and I want to hide my sin and I want to uh, you know or protect my sin um, he comes and he gives in mercy and tender heartedness because he knows our frame and our weakness, and he wants to forgive us and heal us, but if we insist on living in our sin, and we don't repent, and we protect it, and we promote it, and we live in it, he will then come with the discipline of a loving Father and a severe mercy. He'll come to do whatever it takes to get us out of the situation that we're in to the point where he will, even as it says in Romans chapter 1, finally, if people suppress the truth about him, and refuse to acknowledge what he's trying to produce. Like Paul tells us in Romans, he gives us over to our own sin and our own debauchery with the hope that we ourselves will eventually see, you know, see the the sickness of our way and turn to him. Mm. That's how God works. His ultimate goal is not to destroy us, but to save us. But if we don't want to cooperate with him, We're not going to be saved from our sin and purified. Now, part of what we're seeing, in some ways, is the two kingdoms are at war, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. And Satan is a murderer. He's a liar. His fundamental goal is to win eternal souls. He wants to destroy the church, which is the instrument through which people can be saved. I think this particular stronghold, which is very, very deep in the church, it's not the only one, but this bondage of homosexual perversion mm. that's been present and protected. I mean, just today now, uh, all over the news this afternoon, the statute of limitations in Pennsylvania, the, mm-hmm. the, the government of the courts basically demanded that the statute of limitations be lifted on cases in the state of Pennsylvania. And they have almost three hundred priests now. Most of it was years ago, but it's still real. It's still powerful and um, just grotesque and, and just sickening, mm-hmm. sickening stories of what's getting revealed. This is this is the work of the enemy. Think about this. It's like the devil set a time bomb through temptation, through deep seduction leaders in the Church not having the zeal to face the reality of sin and having the fear of God. Mm -hmm. You know, there are cases that keep, again, I was reading it today, cases where priests were just left in power for a long time and just moved from one place to the next, and that whole story over and over. We're going to relive this again. But we're going to see how um, certain leaders in the hierarchy, like Cardinal McCarrick, Archbishop McCarrick, protected guys who were dangerous, guys who were predators, guys who acted out and didn't want to repent of their deep ingrained habit patterns of sin. And so when leadership refuses to root out sin, it gives the devil permission to do a lot. It allows him access in places he can't Mm-hmm. Get access unless those who have authority allow him the access. So, a kind of time bomb was set. Mm-hmm. Decade after decade, the stuff was not handled right. In many cases, it was protected, promoted. It got deeper, and with any of us, and you see, this is not just among homosexuals, but any sin. Mm-hmm. It look look at what's happening with the whole pornography area when guys just start getting involved at a certain level, and it gets deeper. And deeper and darker and darker and more perverted and more perverted and it gets hidden in the dark and what the devil's after is both the destruction of the person the destruction of their capacity in this case this destruction of the capacity of these ordained men to be able to to really serve the church and because of their sin the flock is unprotected they can't preach with authority and power they can't stand in conviction mm-hmm. So the light of God begins to go dim, and then you notice how worldly the church has become over the last number of decades. We statistically mm-hmm. most of the baptized live just like unbelievers. Yep. There's nothing particularly distinct about it way people are living in relationship to the great moral struggles of our time. So this is, and right at the moment when uh, this is the larger picture right at the moment when the devil is attempting, I think, to go for the juggler, which is this, the destruction of the family. Mm -hmm. What he's after, through all of this, is the deconstruction of human identity, what's a man, what's a woman, Mm -hmm. of the meaning of human sexuality, the centrality and significance and ultimate importance of the family, Mm -hmm. to deconstruct it, to weaken it. To break it down why because what we know now we know sociologically we see this throughout the West now we've got enough data on this we used to think as the faith goes so goes the family and there's some truth to that but just as significant is as the family Mm -hmm. goes so goes the faith Mm -hmm. why because the family is the icon of God it's the very living image of God and, you're, and the story of God, the story of salvation from Genesis to Revelation, is the story that's received by that icon. And that's where that story makes sense, where where, where mom and dad are imaging God in some way, and they're participating in the creative purpose, and the, the family becomes a domestic church. Look at how systematically the last 50, 60 years mm-hmm. in America, the, the Deconstruction of yeah. the family has taken place.
0: Seek a Circle and along with Parenthood, it, Margaret Sanger, uh, all yeah. the political yeah, I mean, structures. You've talked
1: about it many times, whether it's yeah, whether it's you know contraception, you know, um, no fault divorce, um, you know, the, the whole sexual revolution, the whole one domino after another. And the heart of it, and this is what we have to see in this war that's going on, is is. The rage of the enemy leading the world, and you can see it in the secular world, to suppress the truth about God and God's claim over his own creation. And we believe the lie that if I'm going to be happy and free, nothing can stand in the way of my self-creative freedom, my power to define my own truth, my own reality, and God becomes our adversary. That's what's happening in the secular world around us in many ways.
0: So that in fell. the very first line, the capacity, right? every man has the right to define his own identity, which obviously we have a subjective power, but it almost wrongly articulates the narrative that we've come to that we could actually, by our raw desire, determine the physical world around us, including our own bodies. Now keep going, right on. It's so, woven yeah, into our, our yeah, politics.
2: And see,
1: yeah, and you see, you know... Pope Benedict XVI said, "What we're witnessing is humanity is pushing God from the human horizon on a on a broad scale." Uh, Sister Lucia, you know, said, mm-hmm. told Cardinal Kufaro, who told John Paul II that Mary told her the final battle between Christ and Satan will be over the family. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis said at one point a couple of years ago, "The whole world is at war against the family." Mm-hmm. And so that's why all the sexual madness and a hundred genders, all that stuff is going on, okay? Now, what I said earlier, the devil's time bomb. We need to be alert to the reality. Right when all this deconstruction is happening, the deep sins of the Church in this area are being revealed. And it's the stra- it was a strategy of the devil, I believe, to enslave us and enslave our leaders and others to silence the voice of the Church, her confident proclamation of God's revelation and plan for human life and human sexuality, and silence the Church in her shame. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what the devil said. But always remember, the devil bites his own tail.
3: Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. will
1: end up, and in this is going to end up, cooperating with God's plan, mm-hmm. not because he wants to, Yep. Just like St. Paul said, if the devil would have known what God had planned in Christ on the cross, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Mm. At the moment he thought he was winning his greatest victory, when he put his his spear in the side of the King of Kings, the Lamb of God, mm. and one drop of blood was spilled from his side, his entire kingdom was brought down. It's awesome. So in this mo and this reality is lived out in history and we're living it out and, and Scripture's clear before the lord comes again the f- a final apostasy is going to happen we could be living in it mm-hmm. but we know in history there's like dress rehearsals and the experience of this mm-hmm. battle between the kingdoms that happen mm-hmm. and so what the lord's doing is he's permitting this to happen to bring the church to repentance Get him out of her, self, her lukewarmness, mm-hmm. her self-satisfaction, her, her sinful habits, all this stuff, so she can be pure and loving and humble and radical, totally dependent on him. So the Lord's going to take away from us the, the respect of society, and the rage of society is going to come against the Church in a deeper way. And the Lord, through it, is going to prune people who don't want to be in it for the right reason. Mm -hmm. And the the Lord doesn't need, He needs a Gideon's army. He doesn't need a mass army across the globe. He needs disciples who are radically committed to Him in love. And I I just want to say, don't forget, I want to speak, if there's any priest listening, any bishops listening, look, there's so many great priests out there. Mm -hmm. There's so many wonderful bishops out there. Brothers, don't be afraid. We love you. We believe in you. Christ has called you, you need to know the King is in charge of all of this. He's not not afraid. He's not, you know, confused about what's going to happen. What he's after is deep repentance, and he's going to instill in his body a profound fear of his holy name. Mm -hmm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and there's a lot of stupidity and foolishness and sinfulness, you know, sin makes us stupid. Mm-hmm. It makes me stupid. You know, it makes you stupid. And and strongholds of sin that are present for a long time and we, we deny them, we suppress it, we make excuses for it, we guard it, all that stuff. That makes us it weakens us, it makes us foolish, and the fear of the Lord is needed to bring wisdom. Mm-hmm. The the fear of the Lord brings purity and wisdom, and it's the basis of courage, the courage that's needed now to follow the Lord, to radically follow Him. So, yes, we all have right now, you know, if somebody's saying, look, I feel so much pain, and I don't even know if I want to be in the church anymore, and I'm just so confused and angry, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Reading this stuff from Pennsylvania just tonight, I almost wanted to go throw up. Mm Mm-hmm my stomach. I feel so sick to my Mm -hmm. stomach, and I want to rip my shirt open. I just want to—I get all that, but the Lord wants us to be wise, and the way forward for the whole church right now is radical repentance and radical dependence on Christ, Mm -hmm. number one. He will lead—He's the light of the world, and if we rely on Him and obey Him, He'll lead us out of this darkness. Um, It's important for us to Pray more, like literally radically renew our personal relationship with Jesus ourselves. Uh, Number two, I'm trying to do this in my own life. I'm just re-examining my own life before God and the habit patterns of sin that I might make room for in my own life. And this is a call to repentance. Now, take a look at the, you know, our idols in the Church are being exposed, or key leaders are being exposed. So look what's happening in the world i wrote this down in 2016 mm-hmm. that the judgment of god that has been on the church is going to keep going deeper but it's also going to shift to the world and expose for the world the emptiness of the idols so harvey weinstein mm-hmm. you know he's the most powerful producer in hollywood everybody feared that guy you know when he went down and he was exposed you know my initial response was good you know and after a few days, I felt like the Lord said, what's the matter with you? To me, hmm. you know, he said, have you said a prayer for him?
3: Hmm.
1: Have you shed a tear for him? Do you know why I've exposed him? So that he could repent. He needs to pay for the crimes he's committed. But ultimately, Jesus loved that man and wants to save him, right? And self-righteousness and the rest of it on my part. I just felt like the Lord told me to repent of it. Hmm look at Bill Cosby, look at um, there's just a whole bunch of these guys in Hollywood that have been exposed, and then even the tragic things, like the suicide of Robin Williams and the suicide of Anthony Bourdain and the sadness around that. But these people were like massive cultural icons that everybody wants to be like. To pursue that, oh, if I had what they had. Man, if I just had that kind of talent, that kind of fame, that kind of power, that kind of influence. And none of those guys were talking about following God and acknowledging God and living for God, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yep. And so the Lord is permitting this to happen so we can see the emptiness of the idols of the world and stop genuflecting to the world. The Church is accommodating to the world. It genuflects to the world in way too many places. Mm-hmm. We're afraid to be countercultural. We're wrapped in much of the secular bondage that the culture's in. Broad segments of the Church are there. And I believe in my heart that the heart of Jesus is for the salvation of the world. And what did he say to the Church? If your salt goes flat, you're literally, he said, you're no good to me. Mm -hmm. If your light goes dim, you're no good to me. And our light is dim, and he—he he has to save us. He, you know, he has to come, and he's coming. He's here. This is my point. <clears throat> Don't be discouraged by the discipline of the Lord.
3: Mm.
1: Don't just see that it's like the devil's victory, or that the church is just so screwed up and getting out of here, friends. There's no other place to go.
0: Right. This is the church. John Tabitha, 6, like right? There. We're approaching right. it in the in the Bread of Life narratives coming up. How many left him, and they yeah. didn't. They, they were as confused as those who left, but they had that core sense of, where are we to go? You have the words of everlasting life. To me, that seems to me that the ultimate quality we're being stripped to, a point of acknowledgement and following in spite of our senses.
1: Yeah. And, I you know, I'd say what the Lord is after for us is, is you know, repent healthy repentance, you know, is what He's after in all our hearts to have a zeal, have a zeal for the house of God and a zeal to align ourselves mm-hmm. with, the, with our King Amen. and His purpose in the world. I love that. That's what we want to do. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's where He's leading all of us, and all of us need His help in this, and the Holy Spirit's here to help us, and He wants us to not be afraid. Let's tell the truth about our lives. Let's, let's expose sin wherever the sin is exposed, mm. you know, where it should be. Let's get the confession. Let's deal with it. And if any bishops are listening, I, where the Lord is allowing this to go is, you know, I just heard some people talking on the news about, you know, Archbishop Shapu in Philadelphia, who has, was brought to Philadelphia. He's a fantastic bishop, mm-hmm. a fantastic yes, man, yes. Um, has no interest in hiding anything. At least that's the man I know. And he's there, and he's been in Philadelphia, terrible situation. He's been cleaning it up. He's been honest. He's all get out <laughs> Now, many cases from the past are now going to be revealed, and people are saying, going after him, like all he wants to do is to protect the Church and protect its money and all that kind of stuff. That's not him. So some of these bishops, and a lot of the bishops are going to go through a tremendous purging, and they're going to be brought under the discipline of the water, and, and they're going to suffer, some of them who don't even deserve it. You know, some will deserve it, but some won't. And... That's just part of what the Lord's doing, and we all need to simply obey Him and walk in Him, and then be faithful to what He's called us to. So when people might ask you, Gregor, people might call us and say, okay, what am I supposed to do? Pray mm-hmm. fast, and mm-hmm. don't underestimate that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's maybe the most important thing. That needs to happen. If you need to write your bishop, write your bishop. If you need, And then ask the Lord, Lord, what are you asking me concretely to do beyond this? Um, What place in the Church or in society, what particular um, uh, gifts or calling has God given you to make a direct contribution to helping keep the Church focused on the right thing at this moment and cooperating with the Lord?
0: Peter, I want to extend oh, okay. an invitation just yep. while, while we're in the midst of this, folks who are maybe thinking about some of the things you're sharing. By the way, folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live. Very blessed to have Peter Herbeck here sharing with us insights and giving us a framework, I think, to understand it and uh, recognize that that there is God's hand at this for revival, and it does involve us. It does involve our looking in the mirror. One quick point, Peter, uh, as you were speaking, Pope Benedict the um notion that as bad as atheism is actual atheism perhaps the crosshairs on us catholics and our listeners and he said it was even worse is practical atheism this notion that we could be even devout we can have pictures on our walls we can pray the rosary we can go to mass but our heart of hearts does not real reveal to to others around us and the way we spend our money and our time and what we really desire to really be children of god now we're all you know, working it out with fear and trembling. But maybe, you know, help us understand those of us who are listening and, uh, you know, maybe content that we sent our kids to Catholic schools. And a lot of these folks, you know, as well as I do right now are struggling with kids who've gone wayward in sexual matters and all of this because, you know, maybe they haven't connected with the fact that there's part of our hearts that have not, you know, repented and given over to Christ. Help us understand that.
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing we can do. Is making our aim to please God and ask ourselves the question. And maybe we need help from people um, who are further down the road from us. We may not know the answer to what pleases the Lord, but I think a lot of us do know. Um, am I making it? How do I aim to please the Lord in my life personally? Am I praying daily? Am I reading scripture? Mm-hmm. Am I frequenting the sacraments? Am I going to confession? You know, am I. How am I serving the body of Christ? In my home, am I making, is my home a place where all of us, me, the father, mother, we're leading our home together? Are we making it our aim to please the Lord as a couple? Mm -hmm. Do we even know what that means? Are we leading our family? Are we creating a domestic church Am I coming out of my comfort zone? Am I radically aligning my life with Jesus, knowing He's given me a responsibility in that domain for sure, that I be, that I lead it the way He wants me to? And to be honest, am I leading it and say, Lord, pierce my heart? I, I'm an American. I'm so used to comfort. I'm in a culture that's Every day telling me I deserve more comfort, more, Absolutely. You know, more food, more fun, more parties, more jacuzzis, more everything. The whole point of life is my own personal comfort. Well, that's not the gospel. And to say, Jesus, I'm fat, I'm lazy, you know, spiritually fat, lazy. I'm, I'm not dialed in. Forgive me. Let's get on our knees and say, Lord, I want to please you with my whole life. I'm a mm-hmm. beggar. Come and help me. Amen. I, I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be... So then there's people who are already down the road. I like, think about you guys and what's happening with Mass Impact and the, the essential core. I mean, look at what you guys are doing. The whole focus of your ministry is on the family, mm-hmm. is on strengthening the family. Friends, that's the fundamental building block, just not, a, not just of human civilization, but the Church itself. And that's the battleground. Mm -hmm. And radically get behind ministries like what Greg and Stephanie and the others are doing. Align yourself and and say, look, it's about time I engage the mission at the higher level. Like Paul is saying, knowing the fear of the Lord. We hardly ever say that anymore. But the Bible's full of it. The fear of the Lord's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It clears our mind. It, It calms us. It gives us wisdom, and wisdom is what? How should I live? What's God's will for my life? And it gives us the courage because we start to say, ah. When you get serious, we realize, ah, God, Jesus is requiring, requiring of me as his disciple that I live differently than the world around me. I love that world, and I love the people in it, but I do not conform my life to that world.
3: Mm.
1: I need to make a break from the habits of that world that offend God that are very much alive in my life people say oh no i don't want people not to like me i don't want i don't want to be different i don't want to you know this to affect my life in any way this getting serious about jesus it could ruin my weekend you know it could ruin lots of things about my life so we start to panic and and fear and inordinate self-love and all these things begin to emerge in us and this is where the battle is and the fear of the lord fortifies our heart and will and we realize life is short it's my brother a shadow
0: our brother Walt today in a good conversation put it very succinctly and i'm just so grateful for what you're proclaiming i just want to say preach it bring it this has to be heard even more lord just you know open our hearts to see the truth of it the truth of this but Walt said to me he said you know greg what we're about is extremely difficult to follow but there is no other way to get ourselves and our families and our community to heaven. What we're about is very difficult to follow, but there's no other way to get us to heaven. You know, we're not a rock concert. We're not setting up moments of spiritual entertainment. I think the Church is awakening from that also. Wonderful, great programs in the Church. 20 years, 30 years, I've never seen it. But the faithful are now being challenged to do more than just be program junkies. There's a challenge to are we living, and I, I love that you gave us that beautiful portrait of in the homes, talking and praying and breaking folks. It's awkward sometimes, as fathers, as husbands. And, and just a quick testimonial, I said it at our family Emmaus two days ago, wonderful day of families that were doing a Living Gathering Guide, talking, praying, forgiving. I shared, you know, you guys, just the day before, the enemy was after us as a family, the Schleter family. We always know when something powerful is going to happen because we all get upended, you know, and me and Dad, in particular, It was, you know, I was maybe even one of the central characters in this, but a little later we calmed down, we came back together, and there was awesome forgiveness, awesome repentance, awesome conversation, awesome prayer, and I would venture to say, had we not had that altercations, problems, challenges that moved us to repentance, we would not have been in a formidable place of being instruments of grace, nearly as much. So I just want to give yeah. testimony to the realism of revival through brokenness, that, folks, whenever brokenness is in your life, whatever struggles in your marriage or family, lean into it in God's grace. Be willing to be awkward. Be willing to be the first one to say, you know, guys, gather together. I need to say as a father, I have I've not been as faithful. I have not been, you know, as loving, as present, as attuned to your needs. And I am sorry. And I ask you to pray for me because, quite frankly, I don't know how. I don't know how to do better, but I want to do better. And I want you guys to help me do yeah. better. So just that candid yeah, conversation think, yeah, is... Yeah, that's so good. Great. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's right on. That's right on. I think I know, in, in you know, some of the battles I've gone through in my own life to say, you talk about foolishness, like somehow, you know, looking at the Lord and the life he wants to lead me into, it's like, okay, you know, if I have to, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, I, you know, it, the flesh doesn't want to go there but we fail to see the awesome adventure, the, the wonder, the reward, the joy of a transformed life and sharing it with your family. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's the devil deceives us and makes the glitter of the world look like that's where the action is. That's where the value is. And, and the church looks like Dullsville. And I'm not talking about, hey, let's create, you know, Disneyland in the Church. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about, we when we're there in that place, that's a good sign that our hearts have yet come to meet Jesus. We know a sense of obligation. We know, uh, you know, it's like we haven't discovered the treasure that's hidden in a field. The man who came upon that glorious treasure, and he took his entire estate, money, and he you know, he liquidated it all, and he bought the land so Mm -hmm. he could have the treasure. Mm -hmm. And for many of the baptized in the Church, we live as if we've never seen the treasure. And it's Obligation and just duty, and we haven't discovered that. And that's what the Lord wants to bring us to, and that's happening in many places around the around the church today. And many people are living like in a loveless marriage, almost, mm-hmm. you know. And we're meant to be in a vital marriage with the Lord, and He will feed us and renew us and and uh, strengthen us and give us the joy and the happiness ultimately that we're seeking. And so, um, Greg, you know, I'm, I'm just as we're we're here. And Stephanie I keep thinking about our brother priests and it's just so important I'd say for you know those who are listening many of you know good priests mm-hmm. you've known them for years it's really important for you in these days especially men I want to challenge men you go look your pastor in the eye who you know you grab his hand and you tell him father I love you I'm standing alongside you and we need to be closer now, and all of us, not get scared, timid, run away, or get angry, bitter, and cynical, and let the enemy take us right out of the game. We're meant to lead us, it's meant to lead us to healthy repentance, all of us, Mm. and that always leads to hope, it leads to life, it leads to conviction, it makes us new, and what the Lord wants us to do is to be able to live the message more radically, for the sake of the salvation of the world and the glory of His name. That's what He's Mm -hmm. after. That's what we're made for. That's why the Church exists. And the Lord will not let the Church be a sick, pathetic, you know, lukewarm, worldly body on the earth. Mm -hmm. And so this is the fundamental thing. The devil doesn't want to cooperate with this, but he is cooperating with Mm -hmm. it because the church is going to get purified through this church is going to get a lot smaller probably for a time so be it but let it purify us so that we can radiate the love of christ um peter you brought up him
2: himself. So. you brought up the, the just horrific tragic uh pennsylvania grand jury report that was released in its entirety today i'm a pennsylvania girl uh diocese of erie for 40 plus years and so you know my heart is just weeping alongside of so much going on there and i i just want to um say at least for the diocese of erie bishop persico who i know was one of the first bishops to come right out and release stuff and he's only been a bishop for six years and all of that time has been in erie pa but um was quite moved going to their website today And the banner across the the page was, Create in us a pure heart, Mm. O Lord, Psalm 5110. And something that he has called the people in that diocese to do, it's a 13-county diocese, um, that on the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, here in a couple weeks, September 15th, I believe is the day, that he's asking all the churches there across their diocese to stay open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and inviting people to come and pray during that time. And, you know, that's powerful. That's, you know, helping to, think, good, think. Yeah. to break that bondage of that demonic hold and, and to, to bring people yeah. in like that.
1: As profoundly hurt and offended people who are at the center of this are, uh, the chief one who's offended by all this is God. Amen. God is profoundly offended by his own creatures and creation when we do these things, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's easy for us, and it's easy for us to focus on this. And, and right now, the attention is on this. But and it's easy for you know Catholics to get really angry, and it's okay. It really is okay right. to have righteous anger right. to, to say, be angry, but don't sin. I'm not. But what I want us to sit, to think about, and don't forget this, because what the Lord is after is the purification of His whole body.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: How many of us? You know, are offending God in what ways? Mm. Amen. Are we keeping holy the Lord's Day? Are you know? Think about that. You know, eighty percent of Catholics don't go to Mass on Sunday mm. on an irregular basis. Guess what? That is profoundly offensive to God. Mm-hmm. It's mortal it, it's sin. A, it's a grave it's matter. It's it's a huge deal. But we're just kind of okay with it. It's like no big deal. Uh, many people are. That is, you know. And how many people are living in sin in their own way? And how many people are living together with their boyfriends and not getting married? You you know all that. It's there. And somehow we're just kind of accepting it Mm -hmm. in the body. This is not just, just simply a clarion call to get after the deep stronghold that's in this particular area and bringing healing to victims and getting this thing, this poison drawn out in this area. But it also is the Lord giving us a chance as the church Mm -hmm. to all of us to get serious about how deeply God is being offended Mm -hmm. by people's, the way we're living our lives, people who've been baptized and how deeply offended, and to come back to him and receive his mercy. Mm -hmm. As you know, in the letter I I talked about the the, the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, where Jesus came, the angel came to the, the church and said, you've done many things right but I have this against you. You've lost your first love. And so there was an exhortation by the Lord that included correction. And he said, if you... He called them to action. He said, first, remember the holiness and the heights to which you were called, Mm -hmm. to which now you've fallen. Repent. That means turn from that direction toward the Lord, right, and act now. And that is run after Him. Seek first the kingdom. Obey that commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Sometimes we put the second one before the first. Guess what? There's not enough in us. If we're, if we're going to put second things first, because mm-hmm. we're not going to have enough love, we need the love of God in yeah, us yeah. first to be able to love others, right? And, and then what did Jesus say? If you don't listen and you don't do this, I'm going to remove your lampstand. That is, He's going to withdraw his blessing, and then what happens is the Church scatters. That's what we're seeing across the Western world. That's what we're seeing in some of these cuts dioceses and other things. We're going from 170 parishes to 50 parishes, from 50 parishes to 18 parishes. This is not just like a natural sociological evolution. There is a removing of blessing where the Church has not been Radically living for the Lord, He will not bless a church that's indifferent to what He has as priorities for her. I Peter, that's an I'm important Greg. thing for us to see. I think so. there's,
0: I think there's thanks for that, Peter. I think there's also a transformation. Again, Romans twelve one and two is a fa- fabulous passage to reflect upon. Make ourselves yeah. a living sacrifice, spiritual act of worship. Conform no longer to the ways of this world be transformed inwardly by the rule of the Spirit. I guess many of us have a lens when we look at the church's expectations, if you will. Let's just define that. God's revealing to us the path to eternal life, and we reduce it to just external stuffy obligations. That's how most people roughly regard a lot of that, church stuffy rules, and this exacerbates it. This crisis exacerbates that. But the truth is, and you and I know this by the blessings that we've had in Modicum, many more to come, but that God wants to flood us with his blessings and so going to Mass is to receive the gift that God wants to pour into us. Praying as a family is to receive the gift. But how, un- how uncanny that, that this is happening almost to the month that Paul VI promulgated Humane Vitae 50 almost years ago. Yeah. And, and the foundation of that, which connected love and life together by God's design to make love known. Husband and wife, holy trinity with child, to make God who is love known. With the short time we have here, Peter, um, obviously a big piece of this, and it, it's, it's so evident tonight as we've been speaking, is it's all men. It's the priesthood. It's fathers in a lot of ways. Sexual sins unfortunately are women also, but men are the ones, I think, in many regards who have in the in the garden is Adam who is not protecting his wife Eve. And um I think no. that iconography of the father is being broken in the in if you will, uh, an absence of men having some you may bleep this, testicular fortitude. Sorry, guys. We have an opportunity to step and lean into this biblically and to assume this time in history and to step up and to be, have the heart of the Father and to reveal the Father's love. Could you just pray us as we land this tonight, Peter, just um, lead us in prayer and maybe particularly for men to uh, receive the grace and the anointing of this moment.
1: Yeah, it's a good call. And Remember, at the, at the heart of Christianity, you know, is the revelation of God's love and God's mercy. And this is what Jesus wants to bring to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loves everybody. He loves Harvey Weinstein. He loves Archbishop McCarrick. He loves the victims. He loves everybody. Lord, we ask you to bring your Holy Spirit upon us, to, to purify us in this moment, to bring us to conviction that only the Holy Spirit can bring us to. And fill us again with your love and the knowledge of your love that deep inside we would know your deep, passionate, heartfelt love for us, and your call to us to walk in it with you. Mm -hmm. May we love you first above all things, Lord. Come and help us. Come and save us, Lord, for the glory of your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Peter. Hey, folks, the Spirit is pouring forth. Let's live it to overflow. God bless you all. You've been listening to a special program on Ignite Radio Live. We're so glad that you tuned in. You can find out more at igniteradiolive.com. Our mission is to make God who is love known. Join us at ilovemyfamily.us.